Hey there, and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 33 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name's Aaron Sandmeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Don Mingo and have a discussion about the Cross-Cultural Workers Spiritual Survival Guide. The Cross-Cultural Workers Spiritual Survival Guide. And I'll put the links to that in the um, in the show notes. But just enjoyed learning from Don, and um, just his insight as he now works in member care and is caring for missionaries. Uh, just some great great discussions about anchors, why it's important for cross-cultural workers to have have anchors, and what are those, define those anchors. Um, the, the necessity of practicing God's presence, the necessity and the vitality and the importance of having um, burden bearers. At the same time, we take on a lot working overseas, and who are the people that help bear our burdens with us? He talks about some different descriptions as he has seen um, working with the working with missionaries that used to be missionaries, the hermits, the refugees, the three strikes you're out, the traumatized missionaries, the seaworthy missionaries, and all. As I said, the book is all based around a nautical theme, but very valuable, very insightful, and really appreciated Don spending some time with me today on the podcast. Um, do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel Foth, and that's where we sit down with Dick Foth and discuss uh, listeners' questions that they send in. want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, which is Appalachian Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachian Spring Dermatology, and sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com. Well, there's no time better than now to get started, so here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend today. I read his book and read his book and I highlighted it a few times on my Kindle. Um, Don Mingo, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Don, will you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself and then yeah, and then we'll jump into, into your book. Okay, so um, I was raised in, in, in Minnesota. You might hear by the accent, but it's not near as hard as it used to be way up dumb there by the Nord with all the Norwegians and the Swedes and the Via, don't you betcha. And uh, when I was young, in eighth grade, uh, Jordan Junior High, North Minneapolis, a uh, young fellow by the name of Lenny Andalino shared with me um, Jesus Christ in eighth grade um, um, study hall. And I gave my life to Christ at that point. Uh, we were at a missions conference in our church the next year. God touched me, and I said, I'm going to be a missionary. I uh, graduated from high school. I was off to Springfield to uh, go to Bible college, and God really touched our hearts for the Zulu people in South Africa. During that time, it was apartheid, and there's all kinds of dynamics that were going on. And so we kept, took Kathy, my bride, and we took our three little boys. We went to South Africa in 1986 is when we arrived. And then we, Kathy and I were there till 2006. Of course, our sons grew up. They went back to the States. They went to college, university. And then uh, we stayed till 2006. Uh, I was absolutely wrecked, burned out, <clears throat> came back to the States, uh, pastored a, pretty, a medium-sized church, uh, eight full-time staff members, a Christian school, that kind of thing. And um, I thought my burnout would improve by just changing what I was doing in my location back to Minnesota and actually got worse, um, kept going in downward spiral. And I shared that with a friend I went to high school with who pastored an evangelical free church in, in Andover, Minnesota, a very large church. And he had a lot of uh, military in his church. And he saw in me, unbeknownst to me, something that he'd seen in his military vets that the church had gotten help for. 
and they asked if I would be willing to go see a trauma therapist and the church would, uh, would, would sponsor that, pay for it. I was reluctant, but I went and then I was diagnosed eight, eight sessions later with PTSD, um, spent about a hundred hours of therapy, learning how to manage uh, this thing, understanding what PTSD is. And then we went to a missions conference, uh, not missions conference, a missionary retreat down in Honduras. And I was asked to speak and I got up before about a hundred missionaries and I said, look, I'm just a missionary. Uh, I'm just going to talk to missionaries. I'm just going to speak to you about missionary things. And uh, during that week, God got a hold of Kathy in my heart. And uh, we, we got back on the plane, went back to northern Minnesota, where I was pastoring just about two hours south of the Canadian border. Went to my elders and sat down and said, guys, this is the craziest thing I've ever done at my age to think about this. Kathy and I are convinced that God wants us to do something to help missionaries. And so we sold our house, which we'd only been in for three years. So that was a financial mess. We resigned our church over a six-month period. We phased out, went and lived with my oldest son and his wife. And at that time, only five kids. Now it's nine children adopted, uh, seven are adopted. And... Um, and then God opened the door uh, to where even I'm sitting in a rent-free home looking at uh, Grand Lake Granberry with three cottages over here that we uh, have missionaries come to. And uh, we went back to our original missions organization. So we have to raise support again. So you can imagine late 50s trying to raise support in an organization that's never had a couple that done missionary care as missionaries. So that's been challenging to say the least. But God has really amazingly provided. And um, <clears throat> part of the thing with my PTSD is I, I don't sleep well. I'm up often at three in the morning, four in the morning. And uh, one of my therapists got me on journaling. And there's something about journaling and healing of the brain. It just helps. It helps the brain to start cognitively organizing uh, everything. And I was encouraged to write. And so I said, all right, so the book we're talking about, today. This is actually the seventh book that I've written. And uh, people say, why do you write so much? And my answer is because I have to. And because that's, I have to write. That's what I do. And uh, I've got three books that are tailored pretty much to missionaries. And I've got a fourth one I'm working on now that has to do with the mental health of missionaries, but that's going to take me about 18 months to get together. That's wow. going to be, so wow. that's sort of the story in a nutshell. We have three sons and 15 grandchildren and, uh, wow. Our MKs have adjusted uh, pretty well, um, yeah. which is always a challenge for missionaries that have been around a while. So um, for sure. we're, we're proud of them. We have a great relationship. And so we just do what we do. This is the last chapter of our lives. I'm in my middle 60s, and um, this is all we want to do. And as long as God will give us the strength, and I do have health challenges, but we just keep, uh, we don't have to reach out to missions, missionaries anymore. They call us. Yeah. And that's just the Holy Spirit working. Amen. And God's really, um, Aaron, God, you know, we're not that good. God's anointed. It's a Holy Spirit, God anointing thing that God's put on us that somehow when missionaries come and spend time with us, somehow through God's grace and just us being there, um, we become burden bearers. Sometimes a burden shared is a burden carried, hmm. but we'll cry with them. I mean, we, we hurt with them because we understand what the missionary life is like and it is a, I mean, it's the gospel trenches, right? We're in the gospel trenches. And what we haven't been told and prepared for is we are going to get wounded. Yeah. Uh, there's collateral damage. And no matter what your theology is on the evangelical spectrum, you're going to get hurt. Yeah. And we're not prepared for that. And then when it happens, we're surprised and taken back. And it really shakes our faith when we should have been prepared for that for we go. Listen, you're going to be hurt. 
you're going to be wounded, you're going to be injured. In my case with PTSD, it's a lifelong injury. Um, I have to work at this every single day. So uh, that's the long and short of what we do yeah. and, and God's blessing us. And uh, all this pain is really gained because God's took, taken um, my misery, our misery. If, if you live with a PTSD spouse, it's the misery comes out on both people because the one has to live with the other. Wow. But God's taken our ministry, uh, our misery made it a ministry, our pain wow. and made it sort of like a pulpit. So that's wow. that's why we're here. That's who we awesome. are. Awesome. Yep. Well, we're going to talk to you about your book today, The Cross-Cultural Workers Spiritual Survival Guide. And um, one of the first things that jumped out to me was you share that expectation or expectations probably result in more missionary casualties than any other cause. Yes, exactly. I wanted right. to see you know, how, how you f have found this to be true and what is the detriment as you, you describe it of making good intentions, the source of our fulfillment. <clears throat> so, um, missionary after missionary after missionary that comes off the field, usually, um, I'm thinking particularly right now of, uh, missionaries that go up first term and they stay dependent upon their organ. They stay two years or three years or four years. Now taking apart the fundraising side of it, and the reporting back, however, an organization does that with their missionaries. But they come off the field and they haven't been out there long enough to hardly even get a hold of the language. And they come back and say, that's it. We're done. And I ask them, those that will share with me, because a lot of times they'll put the cue on the quitter and they'll wear that the rest of their lives, you know, and they'll, they'll live in that self-imposed disgrace, so to speak. When you went and spent two years on the field, when most people wouldn't spend two minutes on that field. So why be discouraged and disgraced about it? But they come in and say, it just wasn't what I expected it to be. I mean, I hear it all the time. And so the expectation is, well, we went out to the field. We took a short-term trip. We were with these missionaries. I don't know. Uh, let's call them the Splobogias because I know nobody has that name in the world. And the Splobogias, <laughs> they were such a wonderful couple. And they just took care of us. And 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 we just are so close and we, just so wonderful. And then we went back and did our first year as full-time missionaries or intern missionaries. And that couple turned out to be horrible. They were just horrible. They weren't anything like we thought they were going to be. Now, we hear this all the time. Nothing like they thought it was going to be. Wow, we just didn't expect that. I mean, I hear it all the time. Or the team. We had this wonderful team, and we prayed together. And this is a real a, a situation, not just a scenario, five couples from the same church and they work together and they pray together and they get their training, they raise support and they all go out to the field together. And the first year they're out there, their church in the home, their, their home church in the States has a split, really nasty, ugly split. Because by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you keep splitting off from one another. That's the <laughs> translation, right? Really ugly. And um, so now these five couples are there with their children and they take, they take sides. And before you know it, that whole team is blown up within a couple of months. And we have three of the couples come back to the one church that supports us. And the pastor, can you come up and spend time with us? And here's what we heard. It was, wasn't anything like I expected it to be. So let's talk about the expectation. Where do we form our expectations? Uh, Aaron, you know, we form our expectations in our own um, cultural backyards, don't we? Hmm. So now I'm preparing to go to Zululand, South Africa, Don Mingo. And here I am at the time it was Minnesota, but I'm just going to Texas. And I'm building my expectation, looking at the lake, looking at the $300,000 boats go back and forth. I don't have a $300,000 boat, just to disclaim <laughs> there. Go back and forth, 
the docks where I fish, the church where I go and hear Southern gospel music. And now I build this expectation of this is what the ministry is going to be like. This is what I expect it to be. These are my goals. This is what I want to do. And I get off the plane and I walk onto a, a tarmac and I, I get out to where I'm going to live for a while. And here are these, we call them the national people. No, that's... <laughs> Those are the people of that land. We're the foreigners now, right? Right. And all of a sudden, I expect those people, and that's the attitude I had, those people, you people, I need you to do this for me so that my expectation will be fulfilled to what I think this ministry is. And that's just a complete disaster. And that's why I say you'll miss your expectation by a long shot. Whatever you expect missionary life to be like, it's not going to be like that. I, hmm. I guarantee you. Hmm. And um, so then people... Missionaries get bitter, they get angry, they get hurt, they, they, we become unforgiving because we're not super war heroes, uh, we're not super spiritual people just because we're missionaries, and we, we fall to all these things. And really what it is, in my opinion, is our expectations become an unrealized idol that we, we worship. This is what wow. it must be like or, or, or else. If we could turn that around and say, what, what is your expectancy, rather than the expectation, what if I could turn around and say, so I'm going to go to the field and I just want to learn the people. I want to spend time with the people. I, I want to learn their language. I want to be able to sit down and have coffee with them. I want them to teach me. I'm going to come in and I'm going to be the student, the learner. They're going to be the teacher. And my only expectation is, is that I walk in there and, and just let all that country and people just absorb into me. But we're just not structured like that. We can't help it, particularly if, if you're American. Americans, we're just used to calling all the shots and running the show. And so, and, and same with marriage. You know, um, I've had missionaries say, I, I, we were struggling in our marriage, so we, we became missionaries. We thought going to the field, that would help our marriage. Um, <laughs> Doesn't help. That's not going to work, <laughs> most likely. Or uh, I, I hear, uh, we wanted our children just to be grateful that what they had in America. So we're going to take them to the field for a couple of years. It it sort of doesn't work out like that. And then there's the ultimate expectation that being out on the field as a missionary, this will make me feel like Mother Teresa, and I will be so close to God. And I tell you what, sometimes that's true. But when you're working with people that are just exploited and used and abused and in every way imaginable, there's a lot of times you, you, you don't feel close to anybody. You don't know what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your heart. And all of a sudden, well, I've heard this often. I thought it'd be a more spiritual experience. Mm. Well, I don't know what spiritual is when you're in war. And that's really, we're in the gospel war up in the trenches. And so, so I just encourage people, just temper those expectations. Look at expectancy. Um, I'm going to go, I'm just going to fit in. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to be a sponge. I'm going to absorb. I tell people, don't plan anything your first two years that you're there. Don't start any Bible studies. Don't try to build any churches. Go to that language school. Um, drive and travel the country. Get to see what the country is before you decide what you're going to do. I mean, you arrive on a Monday, and then what are you going to do on Tuesday? And if Tuesday you're already planning and strategizing, this is what my ministry will be like, when you have no clue of what the people are even thinking about you. It, it really would do you well if you could make friends with, with one of the folks in the country you're at and say, yeah. Be honest with me. Tell me, what do you think of Americans? Yeah. That, yeah. That is sure. a real, a real eye opener. It's For not sure. favorable. I tell you, yeah. that's not favorable. Anyways. No, great. And uh, valuable, valuable wisdom. To continue on, you write about the importance of anchors. Um, 
And what are the importance of anchors as we when, as we go to the mission field and are on the mission field? How do these anchors? How are they valuable? And um, how do they help us? Yeah, so we we all anchor ourselves to something, don't we? I mean, one great anchor is family. Um, although I find increasingly uh, a number of missionaries uh, go to the field and they've really come from very tragic family backgrounds. And, um, and that has its own set of challenges when you're raising your children on the field. Um, we will have an anchor of our, our missionary organization that um, is our sending organization. We'll have an anchor of our sending church or our home church, however uh, one particular group does that. We'll, we'll have these anchors in place when we go. Uh, maybe even the team that we're on, that's going to be an anchor that we anchor ourselves to. And I'm not saying those things in themselves are, are incorrect or they're wrong, but they do, they do have limitations and it's important. We realize those limitations. And so when you get to the field, um, and of course the whole theme of the book is nautical, right? Cause I grew up in the great lakes in Minnesota yeah. and water is my thing. Um, yeah. I don't do much on water anymore, except look at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boats are too much trouble and, you know, but um, th the storms are going to come and they are going to batter against the hull. Um, you have um, a new lifestyle that you're not used to. You have a new language. I mean, to to be able to talk like this in Zulu, it's very difficult, you see. And every missionary will say the language I had to learn is the most difficult but with you it's probably new francais eh? <laughs> that's so, right we use your part oh french i would love to learn french it's just so it sounds so beautiful but but you have all of these things happening and they are just going to beat against your soul's hull those waves and they, they're going to drive you into the rocks if you're not careful and most all missionaries get driven into the rocks once or twice in their ministries and you pick up the pieces and rebuild. But a lot are driven into the rocks spiritually, so to speak, and they never recover. And I've come to the conclusion that part of this is because the anchors we have while they're good, uh, they're not the most sure and steadfast anchors. And I talk about that uh, in the book, that really um, the dependable anchors, for, first of all, is God himself. Um there are just times that in South Africa, uh, uh, some of the things I saw out in amongst the Zulu people, things that were done, just the carnage, just the absolute carnage. Um, <clears throat> you just have to you just have to fall upon the rock. You know, you have to go to your rock and grab onto that. And there are times when you have that conversation ASAP had with God in the Psalms, you know, or you have the cursing Psalms like. God, why can't you control this? Why, why is it like this? What are you doing? There are times that you're like that, but you come to like one of my favorite verses here, Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart fail. We need to be prepared that as missionaries, your flesh will fail. I mean, mm -hmm. I've just been diagnosed with um, a rare form of muscular dystrophy. So your flesh is going to fail, <clears throat> but the strength of my heart and my portion is forever. I mean, God, God is that strength of my heart, my portion forever. So I lean on God. And then I mentioned Jesus Christ, uh, talked about Christ. And, and there's a verse in Hebrews that I read, and then I go back to look at the life of Christ again. And I, and I would encourage missionaries, I would encourage you, this is a personal opinion, but I would read the red letters in the Bible 
uh, more than I read any other part of scripture. I mean, read it all. Uh, right. It's all great. I love the Old Testament. Preach out of all time. But I want to know those red letters because I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And, you know, in Hebrews, we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. So there's the nautical theme. Hmm. If you've ever been out in a catamaran in the Indian Ocean with a friend who's a master sailor and five or six other master sailors, and you've been there, it's the first time, and the storm comes, you think life is over. I mean, <laughs> they're up there, they're, they're up there holding the deck. I mean, they're throwing up even because it's just so, and you're dying. And when it's all done, they come and say, hey, Don, 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 hey, quite a little blow there, Chop, wasn't it? You know, it's like, <laughs> but it said, fasten to the rock, which cannot be moved, grounded, firm, and deep in the, in the Savior's love. And to me, if we always go back to the cross and the Savior's love for us, you know, he was despised and rejected a man, a man acquainted with song grief, yet we hid it as it were our faces from him. We rejected him. We turned our backs on Christ. If I'll take everything I'm going through and bring that back to the cross, that gives me an anchor. And then I need to realize that we are called to suffer. That is that is the Christian life, uh, which we don't talk about. Now, then there's the Holy Spirit and this hope will lead us to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us our Holy spirits to fill our heart with love. And I think that's the great challenge for missionaries. When I was out in South Africa, I was so overwhelmed by so many things. And then there was my own personal drive, a plus personality. I think there's a lot of times there was a lot more Don coming out than there was um, love, you know? Hmm. And so the Holy spirit is, is that, um, that coming alongside, you know, that paraclete that, that fills our heart. Well, I mean, that's what we need. I believe we need to exude, you know, first Peter three fifteen says, and let be ready to give every person the answer of why the hope that lies in you. And I often wonder as missionaries, when people look at us, do they say, wow, that person's really hopeful or they probably say, well, he's this or he's that. And they may yeah. be good things. And then of course the word of God as well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I just constantly are in, fall into the pages of the word of God when I look at life and experience life. And I realize every experience is in there. Um, anything we live today has been lived before. Uh, God shows us people's failures, their faults, God's punishment, God's discipline, God's grace, God's, God's love. Um, and, and that sometimes uh, in this life, we're not going to come out ahead from the human perspective. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, read those last verses, you know, yeah. We like the front part. Those are the heroes. We're yeah. not too crazy about those that were burned and drowned. Yeah. And But sometimes we don't, life isn't fair and we don't come out ahead. But if we put that into God's overall plan and just trust God with it, then we can be like Job. Yeah. Though he slay me, yet I will serve him. And th that's the anchors we have to hang on to because here's the thing. Missions organizations fail. Churches have splits. Donors stop giving. Mission teams break up. Friendships have divisions and disillusions and, and they, they fall apart. But these are the things that I look to God, the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Word of God. Those are anchors that never, ever, ever move. They're always there. Now we may drift in a cross riptide away, but, yeah. but they're still there. So that was my thoughts on that. And then there's secondary anchors and there's other things to, to talk about. But I say this, then you need to choose the anchor that will secure your soul because that's hmm. really the battle is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers and dark places. So you need to choose, grab onto that anchor. And I, I, I mentioned in the book, um, 
an experience as a young fellow of using the wrong anchor when my grandfather told me exactly. You've That's got right. To use That's right. This type anchor, you, you cannot you, you cannot use a little scoop anchor. And I didn't want to take the big mushroom anchor. It was too heavy. So I took the little scoop anchor and I got uh, the old Marianne, this old Chris Craft boat, wooden hull and everything. Got that thing so banged up as we got beat into a dock in a storm uh, because I didn't have a an anchor that could handle it. And I, and I think that's what happens in missionaries a lot. We just don't have the right anchors uh, or we have the anchors on board. We haven't deployed the anchors. That's really what I like. We, we're not deploying hmm. the better anchors. So. Hmm. That's good. Great analogy and um, powerful, powerful point. You, you share um, also about um, some reasons that the missionaries have, they bear burdens. Um, mm. And can you unpack some reasons that having burdens um, and how that works on a global worker's life and then, and then carrying those burdens, how living in isolation, how that can impact them? Yeah, so <clears throat> now it depends, uh, you know, what kind of ministry you have. I, I think the missionary's life in Japan is going to be different than the missionary's life in South America or Central America or sure. Africa. Um, <clears throat> although more and more I'm finding similarities, the missionaries, I know um, Filipino missionaries, actually. And man, I tell you what, God is using the Philippines in a great way. I mean, there's Filipino missions everywhere. Uh, there's wow. nowhere I go around the world that I don't bump into Filipinos, just wonderful yeah. people. But their, their ministries in Cambodia and, and Thailand and Laos, and um, they bear a lot of similarities to, to South America and Africa. And, and that is just we become burden bearers. It's, it's not unlike when I was pastoring. I mean, when I was pastoring in North Minnesota, I had people come in. And unpack stuff in their lives that they're just Aaron. It was horrendous what they had suffered, um, how they were out hunting. And dad was taking his two sons out hunting and the one son fell and his gun was loaded and the safety was off and shot his older brother in the back and he died right in his arms. And this is a dad saying to me when I asked him, um, what, what ails your wife? Cause she was just not there. She was just, you know, what, just kind of this and hard to talk. So my wife was a semi, uh, semi pro softball player. And then this happened and she's been on downhill ever since. So even as an American pastor, you, you know, you get burdens, but out on the field, you know, for us, when we are working with, uh, I mean, little girls that are five years old that have AIDS because they were raped when they were one year old, um, uh, people that have been hacked and chopped and, you know, it's always the strong over the weak. It's always the mighty over the powerless. And um, so you walk into a hospital ward with 100 beds, and you have all these people that are there, um, and they, they've just been wounded and traumatized in so many different ways. And that changes who you are forever. You'll, you'll never be the same way. And so people come and share those burdens with you, and it really is an honor. It really is an honor and a privilege that people would trust you enough to talk about that. But here's the thing. We become burden bearers, but then missionaries are notorious for, notorious for not having a burden bearer themselves. We, hmm. it, it, It's great in a prayer update or a prayer hmm. letter as we on the old days. That's how I know I'm old, Aaron, when I said a prayer <laughs> letter. And a young 25-year-old mission went, what do you mean? Like, put, like putting a stamp on it? Well, I said, no, no, no. no. Yeah, update. We do updates, you know, through Mailchimp and that's right. So, so it makes a great story if you want to use it that way. And for those among us who are very good fundraisers, 
And there are some missionaries that are very good fundraisers. Not all good fundraisers are good missionaries, I've learned. And there are some missionaries that are very poor fundraisers, but they're really good missionaries, you know. So it makes a good story, perhaps. But after a while, um, when when we we were out there, we had friends. We had Christian friends in the Union Baptist Church. We had Assembly of God's friend there in Ladysmith, South Africa. But in the missionary life, there was really no one that you're going to sit down and talk to. And, and you're going to talk about the carnage that South Africans, that's their life. They've grown up with that. They, that's everyday stuff to them. Uh, they've been conditioned for that over generations. And so it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. How many children do you got to bury? Um, how, many, how many children funerals do you do when you say, God, why did this happen? Why didn't you prevent it? Why do you allow this evil? Why do you let this these kind of men exist? Or women, but it's usually men in that vein. Or you go out to a mud hut and you see some old Zulu uh, lady and she's got a cancer or something you don't know. And she's on that mud floor by herself and there's no one to help her. Um, she's in pain. She's in agony. She's suffering. All you can do is offer a prayer. You want to go buy her prescription medicine, but the law is not going to allow you to do that to say, listen, give me some morphine. There's a sick woman over here. I'm going to give it to her. It won't let you do that. Not in South Africa anyways. Uh, other countries you can. And after a while, you just take a pounding and you don't even know it. You you know, you, you, you compartmentalize the experience here and then you go home and here's family. And then here's your church. And then here's you go back to the States and give reports and stuff. Before you know it, um, all the, the the weight of bearing everyone else's burdens just are beginning to crush you. And I, I've often said this to pastors. I said, you know, missionary so-and-so. And I said, yeah, I happen to know a missionary. What is wrong with that couple? They are so strange. And I say, pastor, do you know what country they've been in for the last 35 years in serving? That's, Sweet. that's battle fatigue, you yeah. know? And um, so the, <clears throat> the important thing I say this, you, we as missionaries somehow need to find burden bearers that will listen to us and hear what we're going through. And it's not easy, it's particularly if you're Americans, uh, an American missionary, because Americans, when you come back, they're busy. They're, they, don't, they don't know how to sit and listen. Um, and most Americans, because of the ultra individualism of our culture, they want to talk to you and tell you about them. They don't want to sit and listen about you. Hmm. And then really, what context do they have? When you sit down and talk about, can I tell you about this little girl named Andiswa who was raped when she was one and she died in my arms when she was six of AIDS? Nobody wants to listen to that. I don't want to listen to that. But you've got to find someone who's a burden bearer. You've got to find missionaries. And, and I put, uh, I pray this all the time. When we moved from Minnesota down here to Texas, Texas, I said, God, I need, Kathy and I need people we can talk to. We need someone that when it comes time, we can share. And we can say, this is what we're struggling with. Will you pray about it? And there's something freeing or releasing about just being able to explain and take your heart out and just flay it open and say, uh, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with. Like uh, example, real transparent. Um, tell a friend uh, when I was in Africa, I'm so angry. I, I think if I had a gun in my hand and I think if I saw the man that did this to little Andiswa, I think I could kill him. I, I really do. I think hmm. I could pull the trigger and kill him. Hmm. We need to find people that we're transparent with. And the, the person I shared that with says, wow, I, I, I can understand how you feel about that. Really? Yeah, because I've experienced this. And then you start putting it together, you know. So, I mean, I'm sort of like ASAP. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's committed murder in his heart a few times out on the field. But then when you don't get help, you end up with PTSD or you end up angry or bitter or nasty. Uh, you just lash out. We see this in missionaries all the time. And I'm convinced it's because they're carrying the weight of the whole world on their shoulders all by themselves. Yes, we should be able to put that on God. And that's where it belongs. We can spiritualize it. Just cast your burden. Literally in Zulu, it means roll it, roll it off. I really believe that, but I found that very difficult to understand how to do. I'll just be wow. honest with you. And wow. so, but around other people, just like Aaron, you and I could share all day. Yeah. And we go, wow. And there's something therapeutic about that, I think. Um, yeah. That's just sure. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, Thank you for challenging us and um, not to live in isolation and the importance of uh, having someone to bear our burdens and walk alongside us and partner. And as you've said, I've seen, I've seen workers come and workers go and um, yep. you know, some super frustrated and um, hurt and in the process, but they've chosen isolation. Yep. And um, you know, that's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. It's, that tends to be a natural result too. When something's happened to you, um, the easiest thing to do is just back off and withdrawal to yourself. Because listen, when I had to start unpacking um, my experiences with a, a Christian therapist of what happened to me in Africa, that is painful. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. So it's easier to withdraw and it feels more satisfying in the beginning, but the long-term effect of that is very, very devastating. Yeah. Just builds yep. up, builds yep. up. You describe, um, several types of missionaries, which I thought this was fascinating too. Um, you talked about, uh, I'll get several and you can share about the ones you'd like to, but they used to be missionaries, um, which you shared a little bit. And before we started recording hermits, the refugee, the three strikes you're out, the traumatized missionaries, the seaworthy missionaries. Can you just share about a few of those and how you came up with those, uh, descriptions? Mark, what page is that on? You're looking at a page. Unfortunately, I don't have the pages in front of me, but I did just know that you, you talked about. It. I apologize. I marked that this morning. Um, you know, I just it's missionaries seem to fall into um, different kind of categories. If if you can categorize anybody uh, about anything, um, so yeah, here they are. So you know, I remember the lost missionary. I talk about that in my chapter. Yeah. Um, just a wonderful, godly. Um, Swedish Baptist missionary, and this guy came to South Africa in the 50s. Now, I'm sitting with him in the 1980s, to put that in context, when I was just a young young guy. And I thought he was going to just imbue me with all this, you know, this wisdom and knowledge. And we got to talking, and before we're done, I mean, I go out of there going, I'm just discouraged because he's basically, he said to me in this, get a hold of this. He came to South Africa. He only spoke Swedish. Sweet. He learned how to speak Zulu fluently, read and write it. Afrikaans, you know, um, nice to meet you, Afrikaans and English fluently. Three languages he learned and he was, English was perfect. So, I mean, I'm looking at this guy going, He's an idol, right? Yeah. I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to bow down and, right. you know, and, and at the middle of that conversation, he says, listen, don't waste your life. Hmm. I've wasted my whole life here. I didn't accomplish anything. And I, and I asked, cause I've always tended to be inquisitive. My mother used to say, why do you ask so many questions? <laughs> I said, uh, so what were you hoping to accomplish? 
And he talked about a lot of things there, you know, his denominational goals, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. But there's something really absent on the spiritual dynamic of, first and foremost, we're servants of Christ, you know, and we're called to serve. We're called to wait tables. We're called to wash feet. We're called to be the the doormats um, of this world, which I'm not good at that. And so that was that was the lost missionary um, that I talked about a lot in there. Uh, what's another one you mentioned? Because I, I had this, it's marked yeah. in my book somewhere. I'll find it after we're all done today. But. You talk about um, some different ones, the used to be missionaries. Um, yeah, and you what, know, um, and you say, so the used to be missionaries, yeah. um, I got that from uh, when I was pastoring up in northern Minnesota. I had this couple come to my church and visit. We had two service format. We had a lot of people come and visit. And big 52,000 square foot facility. Believe it or not, there's, there's that many people that live w- way up there. And they walking out the door and they said to me, I always had, went to the, the front, the double doors, stood in the foyer, we had this enormous foyer, and I shook hands and I shook their hands and said, thank you for the message, Pastor Don. We used to be missionaries. Mm. And I said, wow, where were you missionaries to? And they wouldn't say anything. But then I saw them at a coffee shop, Caribou Coffee, up in, in Minnesota, which is a whole lot better than Starbucks, personal opinion, but I <laughs> And so I went and joined them. I said, can I join? Sat down and say, hey, you know, would you be willing to tell me about your story? And they said, if you promise it's not going to end up in one of your sermons. I said, I'll give you my absolute word. That won't happen. And now we're talking 11 years ago, which is why I mentioned it in the book. And then I I mentioned it very generically. So they can't be identified. But they told me this heart-rending story of um, being in West Africa and had a team of missionaries. They were the veterans, and you couldn't do anything new or anything different unless the whole team agreed. And they wanted to start a second Bible institute. And uh, and there's a reason for that, because it was a different culture, different tribal difference, and mixing the two wasn't going to work. So you had one that was the higher tribe, and one was considered the lower class tribe by the culture. And it was voted down by two single missionaries. Wow. And that was it. Hmm. And they threw in their hands. Uh, after about a year, they resigned. And uh, the wife then started talking. She said, you know, it's not like anybody cared about us anyways. Wow. Um, they send these missionaries to us. They didn't learn the language. Now they were very critical, yeah. which we can say it's it's a sin to be critical. But you have to trace what is causing them that to be that spirit of criticism. Well, they'd poured their whole lives into it, and they understood something better than anyone else. And then people who couldn't even speak the language yet were able to vote that down. And they said, nobody cared about us. Uh, you know, once we're, we're done fulfilling their purpose, um, you know, we're finished. So we, we used to be missionaries. Hmm. And I've met a lot of these kind of, I used to be a missionary. And a lot of the, I used to be missionary, a lot of them don't even go to church anywhere. And, you wow. know, Aaron, um, it is really difficult when you spend as many years on the field as we spent to come back to the state. I mean, this coming yeah. back to the United States is more, I mean, I've been back 10 years now. It's more of a, an adjustment to me than, than it was living in Africa. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to feel apart anyways, mainly because for me, this is my personal perspective. Chit chat is so trivial. Yeah. You know, people are dying and going to hell. Uh, there, there's just, world problems out there. there there's, there's masses of people that live horrible, horrible lifestyles because of poverty and stuff. 
and we want to talk about your pet canary or, you know, your, whatever, <laughs> um, you know. But these used to be missionaries. It's one thing to say I'm not going to go to church anymore in the States. I under, sort of understand that. I really sort of do. If you're a missionary, you sort of understand. Come in and sit in the church and, uh, you know, looking at a church that spent a million dollars on sound equipment and think, you know what I could have done with a million dollars? Well, that's that's not illegitimate. I mean, faith the faith walk in America is a legitimate conversation. And without all that stuff, you know, people aren't going to come. But then they don't even leave. They leave the church. They leave their ministry. But what really disturbs me is they they leave the faith. Wow. Um, and I just talked with an MK the other day, forty-one years old. Um, came back, loves his parents. They they have great conversation. Uh, he was in ministry, served in a mega church. Some things happened. Um, some very unfortunate things happened. They suffered uh, several personal tragedies, and he said, "That's it. I'm done with the church. I'm done with the Bible." I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with God. I don't buy any of it because nothing seems to be real in the lives of people that claim to be following it. And and, wow. and they dropped out. They just quit. I used to be. Wow. And that probably bothers me more than anything. I met a, a widow woman one time. Um, her husband died, Beirut, Lebanon. Now, this was decades ago, so nobody will be able to put a handle on this. And she was living in a $200 a month trailer up in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. And she'd been hmm. in and out of relationships. Her husband didn't have any insurance. And this happened in the 70s. So five decades ago, almost. I was, what, 19 freshman yeah. in Bible college. And uh, and she's never really been back to church much. And she said, I just don't have any use for it because I, I don't believe everything I was taught and everything I said to believe, I don't believe it anymore. Now, does that mean they weren't chosen in the first place, wherever you want to go on the predestination spectrum? Yeah. Does that mean they're, if you're going to go total Arminianism, you know, their, their, their prayer of Jesus in their heart wasn't right. real? That's not for me to question. I think that missionaries can suffer such devastating results that they question God to such a degree because of their action or lack of reaction from the church and other people that they just, they just, they just quit it all. And that's wow. what I mean by used to be missionaries. And that's most of it what I want to avoid by any case. Listen, people may have let you down. Your experience may not have been what you wanted. I'm sorry about that. I hurt with you. I hear what you're saying. But God didn't let you down. God didn't do that. And if you can see past that and see the faithfulness and the grace of our Father, um, you'll have something really special in your walk. But so many I wouldn't say it's a majority, but so many missionaries just, they just quit. And then there's traumatized missionaries. Uh, that's me. Um, missionaries that have been assaulted, uh, gang raped. Uh, believe it or not, I, I'm thinking of about a half dozen missionary women over the 40 years of missions experience that were gang raped. Um, children that were killed on the field. Um, the one missionary uh, child mom always said, make sure you look before you cross the street. They get to another country. The first week they're there, the boy looks this way, crosses the street, and gets hit this way wow. um, and dies. Th this trauma. And we, as the evangelical church, I'll say it this way, we are very poor at talking about mental health. Hmm. Uh, we just don't talk about it. And we have, uh, well, you're looking at a missionary right now that has a mental illness, all right? It's called PTSD. And, um, I had no idea about it. I thought that was something for soldiers. And um, and so missionaries that do that have had trauma, <clears throat> I'm thinking of one older couple. They're retired down to Panama. 
uh, they had their home broke into and ransacked while they're away five times in one year. Wow. What does that do to a person? Come yeah. back to your home and had the doors are broken down. Your stuff is all missing and they're traumatized people. And we don't, what we have for trauma is we offer a prayer and we offer a condolence and I'm not minimizing that, but if you understand the brain and how trauma affects the brain and you understand about the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala and the limbic system and where trauma takes place. And so once you start to understand that, you realize that's a missionary that needs some help outside of a biblical counselor. They're going to yeah. need some, some therapy from a trauma specialist. And we're just not set up well for that. And so I, I talk about that. And then I talk about, lastly, seaworthy missionaries. Not that any of these other people aren't seaworthy, but what I mean by seaworthy is, um, you realize that servanthood requires faithfulness and that you're going to hang on to the very end. And, and what I don't mean by that is if you're a missionary now, you have to be a missionary forever because if you come off the field and do something else, then you haven't been faithful. I do not mean that. What I mean by that is in our journey, our voyage of faith in this life, we stay faithful and we let the captain take the wheel of our ship and, and we are on the deck we may have to go down below sometimes for some help, for some rehab, but we're on the deck. We don't jump off the ship into, into the waves and get lost in the waves, which is what I see happen to a lot of missionaries. So they come back. Um, I say, look, don't hide out. Uh, I've got missionaries in this very town that are hiding out. They've gotten secular jobs. I'm happy about that. Um, they're not coming to church. They've been asked to serve. They won't do it. And I go to them and say, please don't do that. You know, please, you know, you need community. We need community. And um, you're just a dog licking your wounds in the corner there and you're going to die. That's what yeah. happens. You're going to die. So um, those are the different, I just sort of categorize them. There's some other thoughts I have about certain kind yeah. of missionaries, but not to be demeaning, just to no. sort of give an idea of the experience that a particular, you're going through as a missionary, if, if whoever's listening to this podcast is not unique. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but it's not unique. Yeah. It's happened many, many times before. And so you need to look to those people and those situations and you can glean, but whatever you do, don't let go of the ropes because yeah. the alternative to that is really very destructive. And, and, and it's just really, it's really harsh and yeah. it's an unpleasant reality that I find a lot of missionaries that are in that have served and come off the field hurt and broken. Amen. Dom, will you pray for us today? Um, as you've talked that. about these different different uh, types of missionaries. Would you pray for missionaries that are listening in that maybe they resonated yeah. with and you talked about a traumatized or used to be or, or one of those. And maybe there's missionary listening in that honestly yeah. they're questioning their faith um, sure. because of what they've been through. Will you pray for pray for us. Sure. Father, uh, thank you so much that um, we live in a world today, first of all, that we have this technology. And Father, that we live in a world today where I can write a book the Cross-Cultural Worker Spiritual Survival Guide. Um, have 14 spiritual survival tips. And, I, and just a common guy like me, I can get that published and get it on Amazon and other places and that we can share that. And um, I want to pray for the missionaries that are listening. I don't know where their battle is. I don't know where their spiritual deficits are. We all have spiritual deficits in our lives. I don't know what they've gone through, how they've been hurt, uh, betrayed, how they feel let down, unappreciated, um, lonely. Loneliness is just one of the killers that are out there among many missionaries, so lonely. Uh, missionaries who are looking at their missionary children, their MKs, their, their third culture kids, and 
their, their kids are having problems and struggling and there's issues. I mean, all these things are so real. They're so difficult. They hurt so deeply. I want to pray for our missionaries, pray for everyone listening, that God, you would, first of all, would you crack the door open and let light shine through that and show them there is a way, there's a door that you're going to lead them through to help them be faithful, to help them be satisfied, to help them be joyful, and to help them recover doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be free of all these problems. We're going to be free of all these hurts. Uh, sometimes hurts are so severe, they change who we are forever. But what it does mean is that through all these things, there is purpose. You have a reason and you have allowed it or caused it, or we've caused it upon ourselves. And that you love us just as much now as you did before. And if we can see your love and your goodness and your grace in these things, then we can see purpose in our suffering. And in our suffering, we can still serve. In fact, we can serve probably in a much greater way than before because of how that suffering that, that, that we experience has equipped us for a new different kind of ministry. For those that are considering, uh, Father, going to the field for the first time, may they might get a hold of this book and read it or talk to someone about these things that you will get injured on the field. You are going to get hurt. Uh, there are going to be casualties. And would you help them, Father, be prepared for that and see that and be willing to accept that? That's a cross that we want to carry. Thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for Aaron and, and his invitation to talk today. And Father, I pray for the missionary today. That's the lowest, ready to quit, ready to give up, give up on you. I pray that, that this would turn around today, that their faith would be strengthened and that they would see you in a more real way than ever before. And they would walk forward and Father, and just be hopeful and just serve you in weakness so that Jesus Christ can be stronger than Jesus has ever been in that person's life. I ask all these things, Father, with great thanks and appreciation for everything you've done in our lives. In your